1: so, hit songs. This is going to be a fun discussion, I think. We're talking about hit songs and some really neat modeling that's been done by senior university researchers in our country saying, okay, let's see if we can track this the way we track infectious diseases. And you know what? It kind of works. It's really interesting. We're going to talk now with Dora Rosati, who is a researcher into this, a database analyst and the lead author of this study. Dora, thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me. This is a really cool idea. Uh, just explain it to our listeners. Basically, what you did is said, okay, we know how we track infectious diseases through data and all the rest of those things. Does that work the same with a hit song? Do I have that correct? That's, that's absolutely right.
0: Um, when we looked at song download data, we were really struck by how similar it looks to infectious disease data, and coming from a research group that uses mathematical tools to study infectious disease, we thought, well, maybe we can do the same to study song popularity, and it, it actually worked quite well.
1: Okay, so in tracking infectious diseases, what do you track? I mean, what are sort of the components that you sort of can monitor it, throughout the stages of an infectious disease or a pandemic or an epidemic or whatever? What, what are you exactly looking at?
0: When we're thinking of it from a mathematical perspective. We classify everyone in the population as either susceptible, infectious, or recovered. So in a disease context, that's that's fairly self-explanatory. If you're susceptible, you might catch the disease. If you're infectious, you're actively spreading it. And if you're recovered, you're no longer infectious. Um, And when we translate that to a song context, uh, if you're susceptible to a song, um, it means that if you hear the song, there's some probability that you might want to download it, keep listening to it. If you're infected with the song, you're really enjoying the song, you're listening to it actively. Maybe you're sharing it on social media or telling people how much you like it and effectively infecting other people. Mm -hmm. And after a while, you get sick of that song, you move on to the next new uh, hit, and then you're considered
1: recovered. And so, actually, the way that it spreads through the population sort of parallels the way that infectious disease does then, right? If you've got the, those three groupings in the population, you can also extrapolate to how it spreads through the population.
0: Exactly. For a disease, those uh, social contacts that spread a disease have to have some kind of physical contact, whether it's hugging a sick friend or maybe um, breathing the air of someone else who is sick. Um, whereas for a disease, it might be physical, pro- or pro sorry, for a song, it might be physical proximity that helps you to spread it, but it also might be social contact that's um, virtual. So maybe you hear it on the radio or at a public event or uh, social
1: media. And we know that you can, and we're trying to do this desperately with the pandemic we're in now, is track when we peak and when it will fade away. Can you do the same thing with music?
0: right now we don't we're not able to do that predictively with music what our study um, did is basically opened up this totally new way of looking at song popularity and we verified that yes it's a valid way to do it and it's something that we should explore in the future so with a bit more work we might be able to make it predictive and that would be very interesting because then much like with a, um, a disease or a pandemic you can sort of predict this is how many people might be infected you might be able to predict for a song this is how many people would download that song or listen
1: to it. It's all about data. Where did you get the data? Where did you come up with the the hard numbers that you could put through your your system here?
0: Yeah, we had access to um, a database of uh, billions of song downloads through song through uh, Mix Radio, an app that was on Nokia phones from two thousand seven to two thousand fourteen. Um, So that's where our data came from, and we looked specifically at the downloads in Great Britain
1: over that time period. Okay, and it it applies to all genres of music, right? You can see this duplicated. Is it different in any way, depending on what kind of music we're talking about?
0: We do see some differences across genres. The one number that um, we look at and that I think people have become a little more familiar with over the course of the pandemic is the r naught number or the basic reproduction number. What that says for a disease is if you're infected, and you're in a totally susceptible population, how many people are you going to pass the disease on to? So for a song, it's very similar, except it's if I'm infected with the song, I really like it. I'm telling people about it. How many other people am I going to influence to download that song? And that number did change quite a bit between genres. Um, so the average that we looked at was different depending on which genre you were looking at.
1: Which ones were really high?
0: Surprisingly, um, it wasn't pop that had the highest. Oh, really? I would have thought effect. it would be. Exactly. That's what we expected, because it's literally called popular music. Yeah, yeah. But um, it was actually electronica that had the highest um, R-naught, and after that it was rap and hip-hop and
1: then rock. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can we do with this information? I mean, it's it's very interesting. It's very cool. How can it be practically applied?
0: Uh, so the biggest uh, immediate application is that we might be able to use models like this to learn things about song popularity. So this is a big question in the music world. How do songs become popular and how is it that with thousands and thousands of songs released every day, there's a fairly small set that everybody can recognize as soon as it comes on the radio. Um, So this might open an avenue for trying to learn how that happens. Um, it also tells us a little bit about how we interact with each other and how our human behavior in, impacts our preferences. We didn't look at musical characteristics, we just looked at uh, human interactions. Um, and then long-term, it would be that predictive um, capability that you mentioned that would be worth
1: going into further. Very cool. You didn't figure out what makes a hit song a hit song, though. You can't figure that out from the data, can you, how some songs become hits?
0: Not yet. Um, I, I think that <laughs> if that were the case, that would be a
1: monumental That's discovery. that undefinable ca- uh, quality <laughs> that we just can't put our finger on. Dora, thank mm-hmm. you so much. Very interesting work. Thank you. Thank you. That is Dora Rosadia, a database analyst and a lead author of the study. That's the work that somebody needs to do. Somebody needs to figure out, yeah, okay, but how do some songs become hits? When we were talking about this earlier, setting up the show, somebody tweeted, can somebody explain why Macarena became a hit? I can't. I can't. That is the worst song ever, but it was a massive, massive hit. So maybe one day there's researchers out there working on how horrible, horrible music suddenly becomes hits. Just think some of the songs over the years that are just terrible when you hear them now, and you're like, this was a number one song. How bad were the rest of the songs in that time period? But it's kind of interesting to see how you can track uh, the infectious disease.